While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. The Africa Squadron, which was a fleet of ships, started in the early 1800s when the UK and the United States signed an agreement to actively suppress the African slave trade. An 1800 Act of Congress had made it illegal for Americans to engage in the slave trade, and an act prohibited the importation of slaves took effect in 1808. From that point on, no new slaves would be brought to the United States. The U.S. contingent wasn't a very formidable force, possibly because the current Secretary of the Navy was a Virginian and his choice for ships may have reflected his personal beliefs. The San Jacinto joined the force in 1859 and stopped two slave ships, both in 1860. Then. The Civil War broke out, and the ship was needed back home. On the return trip, the San Jacinto put into Cuba for coal. Word came to the ship's captain that two former United States senators had evaded the blockade and were waiting in Havana for passage to Europe. Their travel plans involved taking a British mail ship named Trent to St. Thomas, where they would board a larger vessel for the transatlantic voyage. The captain suspected correctly that the two were headed to Europe to open diplomatic negotiations between England, France, and the Confederacy. When the Trent was en route, the San Jacinto intercepted them and fired twice across their bow. A boarding party from San Jacinto took possession of the would-be Confederate diplomats and then let the Trent go on its way. The prisoners were brought to Norfolk, then Boston, to be held. As far as the Civil War was concerned, Britain was technically neutral, and seizing the diplomats was considered a serious violation of their right. The U.S. stood on the position that the two were attempting to represent a country that did not exist. There was even talk of war with Britain, and troops in Canada were brought closer to a war footing. This is Moving Through Georgia, and this week, The Trent Affair and Cotton Diplomacy. Of course, all of this may not have been planned by the Confederacy, but it was just what they needed. A war between the Union and Britain would have almost certainly involved British recognition of the Confederacy and a quick end to the Civil War. There were a few factors at work against the South, however. First, when it was at war, Britain had previously blockaded its share of foreign ports and had demanded that neutral nations like the United States honor that blockade. It would only make sense that they would abide by the rules that they expected of the rest of the world. Also, Lord Palmerston, in the role of Prime Minister, had issues of his own to deal with. Napoleon III, that's Napoleon Bonaparte's nephew, was on the throne in France and casting his eye on European territory, while Otto von Bismarck was building Germany into, well, you know what happened with them. Neither country could afford a war over a couple of diplomats sitting in a Boston prison. 
Through it all, Lord Palmerston was of the mind that the United States was a house divided and was better off that way. They expected the Confederacy to continue as an independent country eventually and initially hoped that the North and South could settle their differences and resume trade without resorting to fighting. When the fighting started, they stood back and gave them space, but Palmerston never expected to deal with a reunited American. I'm reading a book called Union in Peril by Howard Jones, and he explains that the British never really understood America's political struggles as regards slavery. They weren't completely aware of the tightrope Lincoln walked. There were Union supporters in the South, and most especially in the border states who remained in the Union but kept their slaves. Just to keep the U.S. coalition of states together, Lincoln couldn't address the slavery issue right away. Jones quotes one English writer who says that England may have deplored slavery but relied on the products of that slavery. And all Lancashire would deplore a successful insurrection of the slaves. A little over a year later, under intense pressure from the British, the two captured diplomats were quietly released and allowed to proceed to Europe. When I was in high school, we piled onto a bus and drove all over northeastern New Jersey. We followed the roads that had those blue Washington's retreat signs. Our teacher constantly emphasized to us the meaning of that retreat. Everyone who started American history class thinking that Washington fought the British until finally chasing them off this continent was wrong. Washington, yeah, needed an army, and at first his only goal was for that army to survive. While he retreated and occasionally won a battle or two, the fight was carried on by the diplomats who eventually brought France and Spain on board. Diplomatic recognition brought rewards that midnight raids couldn't and would eventually force England to surrender the colonies. In many ways, that's how Robert E. Lee fought the Civil War. His primary goal was to preserve the Army of Northern Virginia against difficult odds until other nations could step in and even those odds. The South believed that recognition from England or France would come and cotton would make it happen. An 1861 issue of Punch explains, Though with the North we sympathize, it must not be forgotten that with the South we've stronger ties which are composed of cotton. The London Times published a letter in 1861 from a Southerner threatening that there are four million of your people depending on us for their bread. Another book I'm reading with the title The Burden of Confederate Diplomacy by Charles Hubbard points out two major flaws in the South's policy of intimidating England with cotton. The first was simply that, yes, cutting off cotton or placing high tariffs could result in crippling unemployment in England, but among a part of society that didn't really have organized political goals. So the poor would be out of work, but they had been out of work before, and those that could vote 
probably wouldn't vote the existing government out of office. After all, many English textile workers were women, and they were still nearly 50 years from obtaining the right to vote. The second problem for the South was a record cotton crop from 1860 that still had British warehouses full. Some Southerners believed that the South should send as much cotton as possible to England before the Union blockade could have been put fully in place and hold it there until the best price could be reached. Instead, Jefferson Davis held the cotton in the South. He figured that Europe would demand the North drop the blockade and allow it to be shipped. However, the plentiful supplies of cotton in Europe meant that any meaningful shortage was at least a year away. In May of 1861, the Confederate Congress passed a resolution to cut off all trade with the northern states until the blockade was lifted. Up until that point, northern businessmen could buy cotton from southern planters, and then they could ship it to Europe from ports that were not blockaded. The export of cotton from any port other than those in the Confederacy or in Mexico was also prohibited. Jefferson Davis was trying to compel European traders to run the blockade so that they could purchase cotton. He hoped the European nations would eventually demand free access to southern ports. But by the end of 1861, it was obvious that cotton diplomacy, as it was, just wasn't going to work partly because the whole picture had been complicated with the capture of those diplomats on board the Trent. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Also, if you would consider leaving maybe five stars or a nice review, that will help get the podcast out to more people. In 1862, the Emancipation Proclamation would change the war's focus towards slavery, and suddenly England, France, and Russia were forced to choose between a slave-holding country and a free country. Although cotton supplies were getting low in England, India and Egypt were attempting to pick up the slack and had planted huge crops. International recognition of the Confederacy would not be achieved through economic coercion. The war was not destined to come to a sudden end as France and England recognized the new nation in the South. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.